What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Regina Jackson on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Regina, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. Okay, thank you. Um, so a little background. Um, I live in Greensboro, North Carolina now. Um, I'm a teacher. And my miscarriage journey started at the end of last year. Um, on December 30th is when it happened. So it was a great time to bring in the new year. Um, so before that, I found out I was pregnant on November 23rd. Um, and I actually found out from going to the ER. So previously, um, about two weeks before I was in the hospital for an ear infection and upper respiratory issues, um, I guess with the change of weather. So when I went, normally they take a pregnancy test, but I wasn't pregnant um, at that time. I did end up going back two weeks after. And when I went back, um, my symptoms had gotten worse and they wanted to do an x-ray. So of course they ask you if you think you're pregnant. And my response was, no, I'm not pregnant. Um, considering I was there two weeks ago and they didn't say anything. Um, so I didn't think anything of it. So when I went back to the hospital that time and they asked me, I of course said, I'm not pregnant. Um, so she said, we're just going to do a pregnancy test just in case. So once they did that, she came back in the room probably like 15 minutes later. And her response was, we're, we're going to do an x-ray, but we have to shield your stomach. So I'm just caught off guard. So I'm like, what do you mean shield my stomach? She's like, oh, you're pregnant. You didn't know? I'm like, no, I had no idea. So that's kind of how I found out that I was pregnant. Um, and I remember my first response was like, um, well, where am I going to put it? Because I was just in shock. I did not expect it at all. Um, so following that, they made me an OBGYN appointment. Um, but that became an issue because I do have sickle cell, which is a blood disease or disorder, um, where my blood cells do sickle. So having a baby could cause some issues. So they wanted me to go to a high-risk OBGYN. So initially, the appointment they made for me was with um, I guess a standard one. So when I went, um, I drove about 30 minutes to get there. They're like, oh, we can't see you because we don't have the um, appropriate physician. So I ended up having to wait until like December 11th, which was like a month. And it was extremely nerve wracking um, because of course I already knew I was gonna be high risk considering I do have sickle cell. So. I literally, I remember for that month, I was like going crazy because I'm like, what if something's wrong? Or what if something's going on and I don't know about it? My anxiety was just absolutely getting the best of me. So um, that made it really tough just to deal with not knowing what's going on. And that's something that people don't really tell you that you don't get an OBGYN appointment like the day after you get pregnant. So that was like an expectation I had to change. Um, so I went to my OBGYN. And he said that everything looked great. 
and that I really shouldn't have any issues considering my um, blood levels and stuff were good. Um, one thing they did not do at that visit was check like for HCG or anything like that. They just did like a basic um, blood work, but they didn't check for that part, which I thought was kind of weird. But they said that the um, the nurse that normally takes those tests had left early and that they would get it next time. Um, so following that, everything was fine. Um, it was probably two days before Thanksgiving at my school. They have like a um, STEM day where all the students participate in games and activities around um, science, technology, engineering, and math. So I remember I was extremely exhausted after that. And that was probably um, really close to when I started having issues with bleeding. I remember I went home and I was just like completely exhausted. I think I slept for like two days. I just got up to use the bathroom and went back to sleep. Um, so after that, our, the last event that I went to with other people was um, my boyfriend's cousin was having like a get together at her house. And I remember I was sitting down and I was getting like these cramps in my back and it almost felt like period pain. So it was like really uncomfortable. Um, so I honestly, I thought I was getting my period because I normally track it on this app and it was around the same time. So I was wondering like, can you get your period and be pregnant? So I started Googling, which is probably the worst thing to do. Um, and all these things kept coming up like, no, that's not possible. But then I was talking to my sister and she was telling me that with her, she did actually get her period. So at this point, I'm just confused. I don't know what's going on. Um, so I sat down and it eased up a little bit, but um, when I went to the bathroom, it really got intense, like really bad cramps. So I, I got my boyfriend and he took me, well, he was gonna take me to the regular ER, but he called his aunt who worked at the maternity hospital. So we ended up going there. Um, and when I was there, they didn't have an OBGYN available, but they did have a midwife. And she did like an ultrasound and she said that everything was fine. So hearing that, I kind of calmed down a little bit. She said that the bleeding was normal, which um, from listening to different podcasts and reading books, that's kind of the initial answer we get. The bleeding's normal, even though it feels like it's not. Um, so I kind of relaxed after that. So that was probably December 22nd. I ended up going back to the another ER, so I went to a different one. Um, on December 26th and they told me basically that I wasn't quite three months yet so they couldn't um, they couldn't take me to the part where I guess the mothers who are further along where they go um, I think I was like a week off from three months at this point um, so I ended up going down to the regular ER and I had to wait down there it had to be like two hours and I was still bleeding. Um, so this was about four days apart from each other. So it was really starting to worry me because I was bleeding for four days straight. Um, it wasn't heavy like going through a pad, but it was enough to where it was like a, a bright color, I guess. Because um, when it started the first time, it was like a really light pink and then it got darker. But this time it was like a really bright red and it was starting to get really dark with clocks. So it started to freak me out a little bit. Um, so I ended up sitting there and waiting 
And the doctor um, saw me, she did an examination, she checked the heart rate, and she said that everything was fine, not to worry. Um, but if it got to the point where the bleeding was extremely heavy, that I needed to go to the ER that was closest to me. So after that, I ended up going home. Um, I called my dad and he's in New Jersey, so he was really worried. Um, and him and my aunt were telling me, you know, you need to sit down and rest, don't walk around, don't go up the steps, that type of thing. But I kind of was like, well, they didn't tell me to do that, so I think I'm okay. So that day I ended up going to, um, I went to Target, I went to Walmart, I just needed to walk around, because walking kind of helped the pain a little bit. Um, so that was, I think that was like two days after Christmas. So then on the 30th, um, I spoke to my grandma who lives in New York and she told me that my dad had spoke to her and um, that she was worried about me and she really didn't want me to have a miscarriage. And that, her saying that was the first time I ever heard like the word miscarriage. And I remember I paused and I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even think that was a possibility because none of the doctors ever mentioned the word miscarriage. It was more of, oh, it could be implantation bleeding or um, one doctor told me that I might just be stressed and I need to relax. So her saying that it really made me pause for a minute. Um, and I kind of laughed it off like, oh, grandma, I'm not gonna have a miscarriage, I'm fine. They said I'm fine. So I remember that day I hung up the phone with her and the way my living room was set up at the time, I had a patio door that opened and I remember a bird flew and like hit the window and just fell. And I was like, okay, that's really interesting because that's never happened before. Um, so after that, I took a nap. I laid on the couch because my back started hurting a little bit more. And it was hurting like on my lower back, not quite at my tailbone, but like where your back meets your hips, I guess if you can imagine where that is. And it was like a real tight pain. And I noticed it was, it would really get tight and then it would release and then it would get tight and release. Um, but it was really far apart. So it just felt like for maybe five minutes at a time, I was just really uncomfortable. So I didn't really think anything of it. Um, eventually, about an hour, no, it was like two hours later. So it's around 12 o'clock now. They really started getting intense and like to the point where I had to like, like really inhale and exhale just to get through um, the pain that was happening. So it started speeding up a little bit. And at this point, it's about maybe a half hour in between each one. But when they're coming, they're, they just hurt so bad to the point where it's like it was taking like the breath out of me. Um, so I, I'm like, something's wrong. So I remember I went in the bathroom and I was like, well, I'm just gonna take something for the pain and then hopefully it'll calm down. So I remember I took, um, I forgot what my doctor had prescribed me because at one point I was on ibuprofen and he told me it wasn't healthy um, for the baby. I think he gave me Motrin or something like that. And I tried to take it and swallow it. And immediately after I swallowed it, I like started throwing up. So I got extremely nauseous. Then I started sweating, like, I mean, dripping in sweat. It was like the craziest experience ever. So at this point, I'm just so confused. I'm like, what is happening? Like, do I have a stomach virus or my back's hurting? I'm throwing up. I feel like I have a fever. So I turned the air conditioning up and after I turned it up, I went to go walk in the living room and I got like the worst pain ever that literally like brought me to my knees. 
So at this point, I'm on the floor, on my hands and my knees, like just trying to breathe. So my boyfriend at the time was at work and he was not answering the phone. But um, today, for whatever reason, we had switched cars. So I had his car and he has a Dodge Charger. So it's a little bit lower than my car or my truck. So I had to like slide into his car. And the way I was sitting, I couldn't even sit. I had to like basically lean. So the whole time I'm like diagonal in the driver's seat um, because it just hurts so much to try and sit down. So um, when you pull out of my apartment complex at that time, I had to turn left and it was like a really busy street. So my vision started getting blurry. And I just remember like praying because I was like, it feels like I'm dying. Like I just need to get to the hospital. So thank God it was literally like two minutes away. So I pulled up. Um, I got out the car, went inside, and the security guard was telling me that I couldn't leave my car there. And I just remember I was in so much pain. I literally just gave him the keys and told him to move it, and I didn't care where he took it. Um, so, of course, at this point, I had on a bigger sweatsuit, so nobody could really tell that I was pregnant. Um, so I guess he just assumed that I was able to move my car. Um, but I basically, I remember just yelling at him because I was in so much pain. He just was so adamant about me moving the car. So I just told him, I don't care what you do with it. Just do whatever. I just need somebody to look at me. Um, so they took my information and gave me my little hospital band. And then they took me to do my vitals. And the whole time the ladies asked me questions like normal questions. Do you smoke? No. Do you drink? No. Um, are you pregnant? So I said, yes, I'm pregnant. I've been to the hospital two times in less than two weeks with bleeding issues. Um, at this point, I believe I just hit three months. So I was done with my first trimester. Um, but she really didn't seem, I guess, I don't know if, I wanna say that it didn't seem like she was worried or that she cared, there was no sense of urgency. Um, but it was busy in the ER, so I tried to give people the benefit of the doubt. But in the moment, I was just like, are you not listening to me? I said, I'm pregnant and I'm bleeding. And at this point, I'm trying to talk to her and I can't even talk without pausing and just breathing because the pain was coming literally like maybe every two minutes. Um, so she told me to go sit in the lobby and wait. So I sat out there for about 45 minutes. And at this point, I'm just crying and like trying to breathe. So this other lady came over and she was trying to help me. And she was like, what's wrong? So I told her I'm pregnant, I'm bleeding, and I'm just having a lot of cramping and it's really painful. So she went into um, the where the nurse was and she's trying to explain to her, this girl needs to see somebody because it was to the point where like I was shaking uncontrollably because the pain was so bad. And they still had me sit out there for about 30 more minutes. So eventually they took me back, but they didn't take me to a room. So it was like, I went from the lobby to behind the doors, but it was like another waiting area where they did some kind of assessment. Um, so of course they asked me the same questions again. So I was getting really irritated at this point because I'm like, nobody's listening to me. I'm telling you that I'm pregnant, I'm bleeding, I'm cramping, I'm crying. At this point, I can't even talk because I just felt like for those 30 minutes I was back there, my back was so tight. I couldn't even expand my stomach at all. Um, so they had me sit there and they were like, well, we're short on doctors, but we're working to get you to someone. So eventually I called my sister and I told her 
I'm just going to go to the bathroom and then go home and lay down and hopefully it'll just stop. Because at this point I had been there maybe two hours just in constant pain with no one helping me, no one listening to me. And it was really starting to drive me crazy. Um, so I get up and as soon as I stand up, it's like I felt like it felt similar to when you're on your period and you sit for a while and then you stand up and it's like, and it's like, oh crap, did I just pee on myself? So I was like, well, I'm bleeding. So maybe it's just the blood or whatever. So I go to the bathroom and I go to use the bathroom. And as soon as I pull my pants down, I felt, I'm assuming it was my cervix like click. So I'm like, what in the world? And I pulled my pants down and the entire sack that the baby was in was like in my underwear. And it was so bloody. So at first I just, I froze for probably about a minute. And I'm like, what in the world is this? So I got a piece of tissue, um, just the type of person I am. And I'm like, I need to figure out what this is. So I start moving the clots and the blood over. And it was literally the entire sack with the baby in it. And it looked just like what you would see on the baby app, like the same exact thing. So I could see the fingers, I could see the um, little eye part. I can see the toes. It was just, it was so cool, but at the same time, it was terrifying. So I immediately like pulled my pants up. I didn't use the bathroom and I went out. And at this point I'm distraught. Um, I don't really know what's going on. I know what I saw, but trying to process it um, enough to explain to someone what I saw was just really hard. So I went to the desk. Um, it was a male nurse that was there and I told him, I just went into the bathroom and before I could even finish my sentence, he was like, you just need to sit down and wait. So I got really upset and I was like, well, I need to see a doctor. And he was like, well, you're in a hospital. Everybody needs a doctor. So at this point I'm like fuming and it's really hard for me as a, I guess it's not really in my nature to speak up for myself. I'm very soft-spoken. Um, I just remember yelling and I was like, well, everybody in here doesn't have a baby in their underwear. And he, when I saw tell you his face went like white, he was like, what? And I'm like, my baby is in my underwear. I need to see a doctor. And after that, that was literally the only words that I could say. I literally, I just fell on the floor and started like, I've never cried like that before. It was like from my soul. <laughs> it was very um, intense and I couldn't even like get up. They had to like pick me up and bring me into a room. And then when I got into the room, um, another nurse came in. And I guess she didn't believe what he told her because he was like, well, maybe it's not what you think. She's like, well, I'm just going to take a look at it and um, don't expect the worst. And I, in my head, I'm like, I know what I saw and I'm trying to breathe enough to be able to tell her. So she's like, well, just stand up and I'm going to get some gloves. And she got one of those, um, like the pads they put down for people that can't use the bathroom, like go to the bathroom. And she was like, well, just pull your pants down. I'm going to try and um, grab it and I'll just look at it to make sure that it is what it is or maybe it's not. So as soon as I pulled my pants down, she literally, like, her face, once again, like, everybody's face was just like, what in the world? I guess it's not really a common sight. Um, so she just froze. And I was literally standing there. I'm hysterical, like, tears running down my face. I'm shaking. I'm trying to hold my pants up because it's it was actually really heavy. I guess all the fluid that was inside the sack itself. Um, so I didn't want to drop it. And I <laughs> I just remember saying, are you okay? 
And it was so weird to me because I'm the one that's distraught. And I, I know that I lost my baby and you're, I'm asking you if you're okay. It was just the weirdest situation ever um, looking back. And she was just like, oh my God, um, I just need you to stay calm. And at this point, I got calm so fast because I'm like, I am calm. Are you okay? Um, so she went to try and grab it with her gloves. And I guess she was so nervous that she dropped it. So with my bare hands, I ended up catching it. And just that moment of holding it in my hands, it literally like, it just felt like my whole body just shattered. Um, and she ran out of the room. <laughs> she couldn't even stay in there. Another nurse had to come in. So I'm literally sitting on the floor with this sack in my hand, like crying and the lady comes in and she grabs it and she puts it in this pink tub. So at this point, I mean, I'm just a wreck. Like I, I remember I couldn't even see because I was crying so much and this woman kept talking to me and she got this male nurse to come in to get me onto the bed. And she just kept saying, do you understand you had a miscarriage? And in my head, I'm like, yes, I understand, but I can't talk right now. But she kept asking me, I guess, to make sure that I understood. Um, so eventually I just screamed, yes, I understand. Um, so she put it in this, it was like a pink plastic tub with a top. And she asked me what I wanted to do with it. Um, so I, I remember I didn't even, I don't think I answered her because I just couldn't. And I couldn't understand why she would ask me that. Like, what am I supposed to do with it? Am I gonna take it home? Um, and that's one thing that I kind of regret. I wish she would have waited to ask me until my boyfriend had came and I could calm down. Because at that point, I mean, that's where my mindset was. Like, what am I gonna do with a dead baby? I'm gonna take it home and put it where? Um, so she ended up just taking it to, I think she said she was taking it to the lab to make sure that it was what it was, but I already knew what it was because I saw it. Um, so my boyfriend came in and things just got so much worse after that. Um, he came in and he didn't really understand what was going on because when I tried to call him, I couldn't talk. I was trying to talk, but I was crying so much that it was just, he couldn't understand what I was saying. So I had my older sister call him and all she told him was, you need to go um, to the hospital now. So he didn't really, he kind of had an idea of what was going on from when I called him, but he really didn't get the magnitude of it because he did go to the um, ER with me two other times. So I assumed that he thought I was just bleeding. So when he got there and he saw all the blood that I was sitting on, because after they took the, um, the baby in the little bucket, they never came back. So I'm just sitting there and it's all this blood and clots coming out and I'm just sitting in it um, until they eventually came back. So when she came back to change the pad that I was sitting on, um, he was like, well, where's the baby? And the lady was like, well, she just had a miscarriage. So I remember he was just like, where did they take my daughter? And he just broke down and started crying. And I just, just seeing that, I honestly, I couldn't take it anymore. So he's crying. He's trying to stop crying because at this point I'm hysterical because he's crying. Um, and this was after I had just calmed down enough to breathe regularly. Um, but seeing him like that just really took me back to where I was before, where I was just hysterical. Um, so the nurse, I realized that she really didn't know what to do because she was just looking at us like, um, okay. So she said, I'm just going to leave you guys for a little bit and then I'll come back. So she left us in there for um, probably like an hour and he calmed down, I calmed down. Um, and I remember we were sitting there and we were like, well, what are we supposed to tell people? And I was like, I really don't even want to think about it, but um, 
his mom had called me, which was ironic. So I just texted her and told her. Um, it was really short. It was like I lost the baby or something like that. And she said that she was sorry, of course. Um, and we really kept the conversation short and then we went home. Um, but before we left, they really didn't give me like any information on anything, how to handle it. Um, anywhere that I could call any person to talk to, it was kind of just, they gave me a paper with um, the discharge papers that said miscarriage on it. And they told me to follow up with my OBGYN a couple of days later to make sure that everything passed. Um, and I just remember her saying the things, but some of it was a blur afterwards because of course you go home and then I went home and I was okay for a while. And then all of a sudden I just like lay down and just started crying. And I remember hearing him on the phone talking to his mom and she's like, how is she? And he's like, oh, she's just crying. I don't know what to do. Um, so I think I cried for like three days. I just stayed in bed and cried. Um, following that, I tried to go back to work um, like three days after, which was probably not a great decision. Um, so I teach fourth grade and my fourth graders, they know uh, my boyfriend because he comes to the school and brings cupcakes and donuts and all types of stuff on his day, um, days off. And that's kind of something we have in common. We both love kids. And I remember I went back to work and one of the kids were like, where's Mr. Raheem? And I'm like, he's home. And then another one, they're always asking me, when are you going to have a baby? So they asked me that. And I just like, I walked out of the room and I just could not stop crying. Um, so my vice principal came and she was asking me what's wrong because I was trying to explain it. And I guess my anxiety and just it really hitting me like, my baby's not here and it's not going to be here. Um, I explained to her what happened. She was like, why did you come to work? And in my head, I'm like, well, I don't have any sick days. Um, so my school was really supportive. They let me take off a week and they found a way for um, my coworkers to donate sick days. Um, initially, I didn't tell them why I was out. They didn't really ask, which I appreciated. Um, but eventually I did share it only because we're pretty close there. And a lot of I learned from my own experience that a lot of the teachers that were there had miscarriages. Um, one of the ladies in the front office, she had just lost her twins a week before I did, and she was farther along, which I didn't even know. Um, so I went to her office one day and I sat down and talked to her and she gave me so many brochures and um, books and stuff, which really helped me um, just really understand what was happening. Uh, just to backtrack a little bit, when I did go to the ER um, that second time when I went to the maternity hospital, when they did my ultrasound, um, the midwife did say that she thought she saw a subchorionic hemorrhage, but then she consulted with an OBGYN. I guess she sent it to him like over the computer or something, and he said that he didn't think that's what it was. So um, that visit, I kind of got an answer, but then I didn't get an answer because they said that's not what they thought it was. Um, so when I went to my OBGYN, which was probably a week and a half after it happened, um, they really didn't give me any answers when I mentioned that I was told it was a subchorionic hemorrhage and then it wasn't, they kind of just brushed it off and, were, um, basically said, well, everything passed, you're fine, you can go ahead and try again, but I would wait a month or two so that the lining of your uterus can go back to normal. 
and I really felt like no one's answering me. And when I asked for reasons why it happened or just to kind of understand it better, because I'm one of those people, if I understand what's going on, I can get through it easier because then it gets rid of like the questioning that I have and the wondering and, well, did I drink something I was supposed to drink or did I take a medicine I wasn't supposed to? It would just really help me um, get rid of that, I guess, guilt. Because I did feel guilty at one point, even though I didn't know why. Um, they just really brushed it off and was like, well, just try again. Um, so that really didn't make me feel any better. Um, it actually made my anxiety a little worse. Um, so talking to my therapist, we really had to talk about it a lot. And a part that made grieving difficult was I would always remember them asking me what I wanted to do with it and me not answering and them taking it. And a part of me feels like them just taking it and me not knowing what they did with it um, didn't make grieving any easier. It just created more questions. So um, following that, I went talking to my therapist. She really told me that I should find a way to honor my loss. And that was tough. Um, for the longest, I really couldn't figure out a way to do it that wouldn't, I guess, bring back constant memories. I was in a group on Facebook and so many people got, some of them got teddy bears. Um, some people planted things. And for me, I was just really nervous about getting something that was, I guess, tangible. And that would be in my view constantly because I don't want to like look at it and then all of a sudden just break down. Um, so I really struggled with finding a way to honor uh, my loss. So I've still been trying to work on that. Um, that's really something that I am struggling with. Even I just moved, so moving and finding. Um, my boyfriend had put all of my ultrasounds and discharge papers and pictures and all that stuff in a box because at one point I wanted to throw it away, but then I didn't want it to throw, I didn't want to throw it away because then I felt guilty, but then I felt like I shouldn't keep it because it's gonna just keep me in that space. So he decided to just put it in a box and if I ever wanted to look at it, um, I could go back to it. So I think um, what I might do is probably just put it in like a small album and just put it on a shelf just in case I ever do want to look at it. Um, but for a long time, a battle I had with myself was I felt like I couldn't move on as if it didn't exist. But then at the same time, I felt like I didn't want to sit around and cry over it for months at a time. So trying to find a balance and allowing myself to be upset and to feel sad um, is really something that I'm still working on, even though it did happen nine months ago. Um, and some days are great and I'm fine. And then some days I'm just really in a mood. And sometimes I have to really ask myself what's going on and it'll come down to either I saw, it, it could be as simple as me seeing a pregnant person or someone inviting me to a baby shower um, that really brings up those memories. And even tomorrow, my boyfriend's sister's having a baby shower and he asked me if I wanted to go. And I was like, no, I don't think I want to. And he was like, well, why? And then I just looked at him. He was like, oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Um, so I think also not being afraid to, I call it guard your heart. 
because I know that would be something that would really make me emotional and I don't want to go to someone's baby shower and bring that type of energy if that makes sense um not that I'm not happy for her but it's just really uncomfortable and I'm sure people listening will understand it's really uncomfortable and it just feels weird um to celebrate someone else's baby when yours isn't here so I'm not at that place yet where I feel comfortable enough to to do that but I'm working on it um I love that advice. Don't be afraid to guard your heart. Cause I think there's a sense of guilt in like not attending that baby shower, you know, but at the same time, like you said, you don't want to bring that energy there either. And it's, you're guarding your heart and that's important. And I ended up, I, I remember when I was going through my losses, I was going to baby showers and then eventually I was like, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) Why am I doing this to myself? And I ended up saying no to the rest of them. Like torture. I remember, I think it might've been two or three months after. And I thought I was ready and his um, cousin had a baby shower and I went and I just like froze and I just gave her a gift and I said, I can't stay. And she kind of knew what was going on um, because I told her early on in my pregnancy and she was like, I don't even know why you're here. Go home. And I was like, oh, you know what? You are absolutely right. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I never want to feel like I'm letting people down. And I also, it was really hard for me to share with people what happened, but I feel like after I shared it, I got so much support that really yeah. helped me through it. So I think that's also something else. I mean, you don't have to broadcast it, but just letting someone know that can actually, um, I guess, comfort you. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought, um, you know, like my boyfriend, he's supposed to be able to do that, but he, it took me a while to realize like he's grieving too. So mm-hmm. he can't- And really- probably in a different way than you. Exactly, it's so different yeah. for him. So I used to like, expect things and I'm like you can't expect that from him because I mean it's really uncomfortable for him yeah and And I think that that that's so important too the second you realize that I feel like it makes the relationship a lot better too exactly like it just clicked Mm -hmm. I had that same moment yeah and just really talking to each other helps I know there's periods where um and I absolutely love him for this we'll be out and we'll see like an adorable baby and he'll just look at me and he'll hold my hand because I, I guess he just he knows that. Oh, that's cute. It's really sweet. Um, but that took me, because even after it happened, he would ask me, what do you need? And I would get mad. And I wasn't mad at him. I was mad because I didn't know what I needed. Mm-hmm. It was like, I need my baby back, but I can't get that. So I don't, I don't know what I need. I have no idea. And sometimes that meant I just needed him to sit here. But mm-hmm. it took me a while to realize, like, he can't sit still and grieve. It drives him crazy. I can't be busy and grieve because that drives me crazy. So we were like opposites in that aspect. So when I found your podcast, it was so helpful. And I remember he was um, asking, he kept asking me, what are you listening to? Because I would listen to it in the car on the way to work. And initially I was afraid to tell him what it was. I didn't want him to think that I'm like sitting around moping all the time. Um, but we did listen to, I can't remember which one we listened to. And he actually loved it. He's like, very surprised (laughs) but um I think we listened to the one um with the author from the miscarriage map oh yeah I love that one I love her she's Um, awesome (laughs) Sunita yes it was yeah awesome and when she started talking about how spouses grieve differently he really I guess that got his attention um and that really opened up our dialogue about the conversation 
Yeah. She's a couples therapist. So um, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. She's, she's really awesome. I love her. Uh, well, that makes me happy that he, you know, you guys both got some healing out of this podcast. That's exciting. Now I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice, which I already feel like you've given a lot. Um, but if you have anything extra to add, what would it be? Um, my piece of advice, I guess for this, the place where I'm at now is to be honest with yourself. I feel like through most of my grief and most of my journey, I tried to put on this fake it till you make it. Like I'm over it. I'm going to move on. I'm going to go try again and have a baby. And just having those goals, of course, we want to do those things, but don't force yourself to do it if you are not ready. Um, We were at one point talking about trying again, but I just feel like at this point, the way my anxiety is, especially with this COVID-19 thing going on, I just would not be able to enjoy a pregnancy right now if I have to do my OBGYN visits over Zoom and I don't know what's going on. I feel like that would drive me crazy. So being able to tell people when they ask you, because I get this question a lot, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting until I'm ready and then just leaving it at that. You don't have to rush um, to meet other people's timelines. I think that's a big thing, especially when, for those that do know you had a miscarriage and those who don't know, um, because I remember some of his family members were really, they'll, we'll sit around a table and they'll be like, well, I'm ready for grandkids. I don't know what they're waiting on. And I just give them a look and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Because sometimes people forget. Um, but working on your own time and just being honest with yourself. Are you really ready? If you're not ready, it's okay. There's no rush and you don't have to please everyone else, no matter how long it takes. Rushing into it probably would not be the best thing to do, especially if you're still not only grieving, but anxious, um, as anxious as I am. Absolutely. And I'm sorry if you can hear a furnace right now. (laughs) in the background I'm like literally sitting in like an old garage right now just trying to get wi-fi (laughs) on the floor it's a really pretty sight by the way um anyways thank you so much for doing this if somebody wants to reach out to you where could they do so um I am on Facebook my Facebook name is Regina Janelle so r-e-g-i-n-a-j-a-n-e-l-l-e and then on Instagram, it is, I think it's the same, hold on. Yeah, it's the same thing, but with an underscore at the end. Awesome. And I'll link your Instagram for sure in the description of this episode so that it's easy for people to find you. And then they can just type your name into Facebook as well. So thank you so much for doing this. You'll have to keep us posted. And I just have to say that I am absolutely disgusted at how you're treated at the hospital. Oh, yeah. And I know you're not the only one that's been treated that way. And so I think it's going to be uh, very healing for like other people to hear that. But I am just so sorry that you went through that. That is literally awful. Yes. When I talk about it, people are like, that was like a movie. I said, literally looking back, I definitely feel like it was a movie. Yeah. I not to say if it's going to happen, it happens to me. And I should probably <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Uh, Well, thank you so much, Regina, and we'll chat soon. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Take myself, take my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Thank you.